this issue of, of, of striving to be like um, someone else or, or like the great, these great men in the Bible. You know, we, we've, the Bible is, is full of these really great examples, these men and women in, in Scripture. And, and especially the Old Testament is so rich with all of these characters that God uses to uh, fulfill His purposes on the earth. And, uh, but part of it is example. But, we've, but we tend to make that the whole thing. Like that's the big thing, the example. Like, so we want to look at, and that's what we were talking about. And, and we were talking about our struggle with trying to be like uh, a certain man in the Bible to really try hard to do that. Um, he's, he, he was, you know, struggling with how to deal with a coworker, or not a coworker, but a boss. I mean, a, a superior of his in, in his company. And, and, and so he was looking at Joseph, you know, how, and how Joseph served Potiphar and how he served faithfully. Uh, some, he served faithfully a man who didn't serve God, even though Joseph was a man who did serve God. But he, you know, he served Potiphar and Potiphar was a man who didn't serve God. And so we're like looking at it and thinking about it. And, and he's like, I can't do it. I just can't. I, I can't, you know, he's beating himself up. I can't, no matter how hard I try, I strive and I strive. And I, and I just, but I always fall short. And I was thinking about how, how true that is. How, how, how I have tried so hard many times. I, I, I'll find a character, my favorite one. And I'll think, I, I'm just going to dedicate my life to trying to be a whole lot like that. Because then if I am, then it will please God. So I want to I read James right now. James 1. I'm going to read the whole passage first. We're in James still. We're going to stay in it. It's got five chapters. We're going to go all the way from the beginning to the very end. And that's what we've been doing. And we're going to continue that today. And we're in James 1, 19 through 26. I just want to read that through. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive the meekness, uh, with meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Now that I have this mic on, I can't take a drink of water without you hearing it, so enjoy. Um, I, <clears throat> I grew up in West Texas, and um, I've mentioned this before. This is Lubbock, Texas. If you've seen the movie Bernie, uh, it's the rectangular part with the big question mark. If you haven't seen that movie, I highly suggest that you do if you want to know what people in Texas are like. I'm from the little rectangular part with the question mark. Nobody really knows what goes on up there. And Lubbock, Texas is kind of out, you know, in this dry, flat, and hot. And uh, my granddaddy bought me a, a birthday gift. And I think it's probably, it, at, 
to that, up to that moment, it was the best gift I had ever gotten. Uh, and now, even to this day, it's probably, it's one of the best gifts that I've ever, ever received. Uh, my wife got me, before we were married, bought me a guitar. That's the best gift um, that I ever got. That was a thing. She's the best gift. So. And then she gave me a, a good material gift. Um, this was a radio. So sometimes I use the word radio when I'm at school teaching. And I forget that the kids probably don't know what that is. Now, this, didn't, this radio didn't have FM on it. It only had AM. Like, that's all it was, was an AM radio, if you can imagine. Some of you are too young to ever have had that. But some of you are old, so you know really well what I'm talking about. And <clears throat> like me. Uh, and anyway, it was, it had, it was really cool because it had a calendar on it. And so what they did is, it was a real clever thing. They, uh, the numbers were cut out into little holes in the, in the face of the radio. And, and then the speaker was behind that. So the, the music would, in, you know, emit betwixt the holes, the spaces in there. That word, but and it had a little dial like that. It was shift the days, so it was cool. So you could listen to the radio and know what day it was. Pretty cool, and I loved it. It was my favorite thing that I had ever had, and I listened to that radio constantly. Um, I listened to country music back then because I thought that's the only kind of music there was, except for the acapella Christian music that we would listen to as well. I thought that was that was the music. I thought it was it. And my favorite song was Willie Nelson. Uh, what was it? Blue Skies? Maybe you've heard it. <laughs> it's not likely you have. It's, uh, it, it's a really cool song, and, and I'd sing it for you, but I can't do a good Willie Nelson. And I, you, I loved that thing so much that I would, I would even, I was willing to break my parents' rules in order to hear it. I would, at night, I had, we had our strict bedtime, but instead of just going to sleep, I would put that radio under my pillow. Sneaky, huh? And then I would lay my head on it. And I would have my hand on the radio, on the dial, I like on the volume, so that if my parents came in, I could quickly go, whoop, 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 turn it down, and they wouldn't know. And I, and I would just listen to music, and the, that, that thing would be on all night long. I would hear the music to go to sleep. I would hear it in my sleep. I would wake up to the music. It was, it was just, I just couldn't get enough of listening to music on this radio. It's all I wanted to do. Music started to become something that I... It started to become more a part of me. Like, I, I identified with it. It was weird. I identified with Merle Haggard. George Jones and I were buds. I understood him. I got Willie Nelson. I understood about his, you know, blue eyes crying in the rain. I had blue eyes. I had cried. <laughs> I kind of built this little fantasy world of... And it was a musical fantasy world where I was a country music star. So sometimes I'd be sitting in my classroom at school when I was supposed to be listening to the teacher. And instead, I'm kind of looking out the window and I'm imagining 
me and my best friend pulling up in our limousine. Like, this is how we get to school in the morning, you know. And we, you know, the chauffeur lets us out. I get out, and I've got brand new cowboy boots and a nice felt hat. And we're, we're rich, but we still go to the same school, you know. It's like a, a really bad uh, late 70s, early 80s Disney sitcom or something, you know. I, I'm rich, but I still go to this school, you know. So, and, I, and I just used to imagine it, and I was a singer, so that was always, and I was a musician. That was my little fantasy. You'll never look at me the same way again, probably. Um, but, it, it, but it became that, and it, and it built and built and built. Now, James, when we're looking at James, oh, and by the way, see the little number at the bottom? If you, come, if you have a question throughout uh, today, you can call, uh, text that. Don't call it. Just text it and ask the question. We'll do our best to answer it today. Um, and if not, we will. Um, we're looking at James. It's kind of a different book. It's really served up differently. Kind of like the sushi. They brought it to us on a bridge instead of a platter. James is the gospel served up in a, in a new way. It's different. A lot of people have called it the, the Proverbs of the New Testament. Well, because it's kind of got some similarities. You know, you've got all these wise imperatives. Lots and lots of them. And they just seem to... You know, and they're in little pieces. It's kind of pieced together. And some scholars believe that, that it is a, a, it's sort of like a, a New Testament kind of wisdom. That's about wisdom. That it's full of it's kind of wisdom literature. But then some scholars argue that it's not. No, it's not really authentic wisdom literature like Proverbs because there are some differences in how... Well, the good news is we're not going to argue about that. I like to argue, so that's probably bad news for me, but... Well, we're not going to argue about that. What we're going to, what we're going to really focus on is, um, is the gospel nature of it. Because it doesn't matter. I mean, regardless of whether it's technically a wisdom literature book, um, it's not as, as relevant as the fact that it's a gospel book. It's a gospel, it's gospel literature. So it's full of gospel. Now, the, 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 the cool thing about it is, so is Proverbs. Because all of Scripture points to Jesus Christ, and every, even every individual Scripture can have a road. You can find a road to the cross in it, even the little weird, awkward ones, because there's a road to it. Someone, someone say, well, it doesn't literally isn't about Jesus. Yeah, but there's a road to the cross in every part of Scripture. So, so Proverbs is a gospel book, too. But James is a letter written to people. And it is a gospel letter. I'd like to look at First uh, Corinthians uh, 1.29. Wow, that video. See, I wasn't here last week, so I haven't seen that yet. That's cool. Um, now, the gospel is a word. Right? The gospel is a word. In the beginning was the word. But the gospel is also a person. The word was God. And that person is Jesus. So I want to read this with that in mind. 1 Corinthians one twenty nine, So that no human being might boast in the presence of God, and that because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. God, uh, wisdom from God. 
righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let no one boast, who boasts, boast, uh, oh gosh, I totally missed it. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So James is gospel literature and it's about Jesus and Jesus is wisdom. So it's about wisdom. And it's full of wisdom. I, when I read James after a, a time in my life, there was a time in my life, and it's fairly recent, where I started to really, by God's grace, grasp really the grace of God, the unmerited favor. And at first, it, it, I mean, it was just, it, it's exhilarating at first, because it's just like, you know, I'm running through fields of grace, spinning, you know, picking the, the I don't have to earn it. Yes! Oh, praise you, God. I don't have to, I'm, I'm you did it. It is finished. You, you, the work is done. You did it. And then I went back and read James, and I kind of got mad. I mean, I, I kind of got it. It, it, it was. I'll be honest with you. It was a little bit of a downer. I mean, it was full of things to do. It was in full of imperatives. I mean, there are six in this passage we're looking at today. There are six. Direct imperatives. Do this. And then there are at least four kind of indirect imperatives that it's understood that you should do these things or not do something else. So it's sort of a, there are at least 10 in our passage, just in our little short passage today, of things you should do or should not do. And it's kind of a downer. I mean, have you ever gone to work if you ever work, I don't know if who's, you know, I don't know your work history, but I've worked in all these restaurants. I've had a bunch of jobs like that where, um, you know, you go in and the manager's not there like the manager's gone for the day. I used to work at Subway, so I hated it when I would go up and the manager's gone. And so the manager comes up, he sees some things he doesn't like. So he like, he writes this letter. He's, you always tell how they feel when they write the letter, right? They bear down and this, and the mess here it is, and they're mad. You didn't mop the floor better, you know. And you come up, and then on, taped on the wall is a list of things they want you to do. That never feels good. Do you like those lists of things to do? No encouragements. Like it doesn't say, hey, guys, I just love you. You're all doing such a great job. While you're here, I just would like you to improve on a couple of things you're already doing well. That's not typically how the note is written when you work in a fast food joint and the manager leaves a note. If you're a manager of a fast food joint, I'm sure you're not like that. You hate those notes. I was really looking at Jane. Now listen, that's, I'm not defending myself. It's a wicked way to look at it the word of God, but I was looking at James as one of those notes. Man, I was really enjoying the Bible. And then you stuck James in there. Ta- taped on the wall, you know. Why did God put that in there? Bunch of rules. And why did it bother me so much? And part of the reason it bothers me is because I don't like being told what to do. I don't think you do either. If you really want to test a friendship... Tell them to do something. But don't say please. Just tell them to go get something for you. Go get my coffee. Pay for it this time. I'll pay you back. If they're your friend, that it'll survive. 
But if they're not, that's not going to fly. People don't like that. No one likes being told what to do. You might as well just admit it so that when you go to the Word of God and, and you're told what to do, you can at least admit your sin so that God can do something about it and change your heart. That's part of the, what I'm doing right here, right now, as we work through James, is I'm allowing God to, to change that a little in me because I didn't like it. It was that note taped on the wall. And one of, the, you know, one of the things that was wrong about me is I realized, as I mentioned during the song earlier, I only had an intellectual understanding of grace, and it was really not even a full intellectual understanding of grace. And it still, I hadn't received it, that implanted word yet, fully. Because I, as soon as I read James, I was right back to my old ways again. I have to earn my way to heaven. I have to earn my salvation. I have to do these things. James is telling me to do these things. And if I do them, I can please God. If I, it's a checklist. Check. All right, I talked less this week. Yeah, all right. Check. I didn't sin in my anger except that little time, but it wasn't as bad as the last time. You know, I'm back to, I'm back to, so am I pleasing you, God? Is my religion good for you? And that's, that's, that's a misunderstanding of the gospel. So I'm back to my old ways again. So I'm having God having to come back in and change my heart. And if you're sitting here and you're not a Christian, um, then I have good news and bad news for you. I love good news and bad news. The good news is that you can't... Now, I'm going to give you the bad news first. <laughs> the bad news is you can't earn your way into salvation. You can't be good enough to be saved. That's the, that's the bad news. Like, you, there's nothing you can do. Too late. You were born. So, you've messed up too much. You cannot go to heaven now. But the good news is you can't earn your way to salvation. The good news is the same as the bad news. Because you can't do it, then Jesus does it for you. That's good for you. And you say, well, that sounds like two bad news. Two, two bad news. That sounds like two forms of bad news there, Kevin. <clears throat> you can't earn your way to salvation. And you can't earn your way to salvation. Well, that's actually good for you. You don't want to have to earn it because you can't. So that's great for you because there's Jesus. No Jesus, it stays bad. So one of the problems, I believe, to understanding James... And the understanding this gospel served up the way it is in James is understanding, having a better view of wisdom. Now, Henry Thoreau, one of my favorite authors, um, I love Henry Thoreau because he, when I read it, I, I relate to how he, you know, he thinks. A lot of it's really <laughs> messed up. But, but he says some really interesting things. I want to I tell you one of the things he says. He says, the title wise is for the most part falsely applied. I think he's right. The title wise is for the most part falsely applied. 
He says, he asks, does wisdom work in a treadmill? Is there any such thing as wisdom not applied to life? Matt and I were talking about how awful, he's not there, but I'll just point anyway. Matt and I were talking about how awful treadmills are. I mean, I don't really like to run anyway. And by that, I mean I hate it. So I don't see how getting on something and running but not getting anywhere is a good thing. I mean, that, that's kind of like running and then you made it worse because you don't arrive anywhere. You just run and, and the thing goes around. I was at the gym and I, I looked around and there's just lines of people. I mean, you can't get on a treadmill. People love those things. I understand their, their training so that hopefully they can run somewhere like Luke. Luke does run like he starts at a place and he ends up at another place. He probably needs to, I'm not dissing, you know, if you run on a treadmill, but, but what if all you do is run on a treadmill? I've seen some people get on the treadmill and kind of walk real slow and then they, they're reading the magazine. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? <laughs> you're not going anywhere. You're not, you're, it's not doing any good either because if you can read like that, and then hold on a conversation with someone. There's, I can't, can't be doing much. Walk around the block or something, you know. But, but the thing is, that's, that's, what, that's what Thoreau asked. He had, is wisdom, does wisdom work on a treadmill? Well, the real answer is no. But most of us think it does. I mean, if we really examine what we think about wisdom and knowledge, we will think it does run on a treadmill. That... The purpose of the walking is the walking, right? But that's not the purpose. The purpose of walking is where you end up when you walk somewhere. Is there any such thing as wisdom not applied to life? And I think James, because God came up with this before Thoreau did, is right. No. The answer is no. There's no such thing as wisdom not applied to life. So I had this, this vision of being a, a musician, this, this not vision, fantasy. I was living in a little fantasy world. But one day, my granddad, he, he taught me some, some chords on a guitar. He had an old guitar. It was a Sears and Roebuck. And yeah, they had guitars. I don't know if they still do. I don't know if it... Why is it Sears and Roebuck? What happened to Roebuck? No one ever says, I just bought a, a, a washing machine. It's cool. It's a Roebuck. Somewhere Roebuck dropped it. But this is a Sears and Roebuck guitar. And he taught me some chords on it, like four chords. He didn't know a lot, but he could play pretty well what he could. And I, I remember that's one of the best days of my life is having him sit down and, and, and he would sing his old country songs and he, would, and he showed me how to play these chords. They're really basic. It wasn't near as glamorous as this like fantasy world I brought, you know, kind of invented in my mind of being a musician. I knew four chords and I, it took me like two minutes to change from one to the other, you know, you know. And it took me a long time to be able to change chords quickly and play a song. 
But the cool thing about that is that the, the, the fantasy sort of kind of became a little bit of a reality there in a small, small way. I mean, I, I learned how to play a song. I was strumming it. So it wasn't all just in my mind anymore. Let's look at James 19. <clears throat> so when we're looking in James, ever, you know, it may seem really basic, some of this stuff. It doesn't seem like high theology, right? Let's look at this. 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Pretty basic. Don't talk as much. Listen more. Don't get mad and sin. Put away filthiness and rampant wickedness or just the wickedness that was very, it's common and run rampant in, of the day. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So it doesn't sound like high theo- uh, theology. Uh, missional communities in our church we have missional communities. I know we talk about them from time to time. But that's our uh, scattered. That, that's how we scatter throughout the city as a church. It's, a, it's, it's part of our vision here at Legacy is that we would, and our calling is that we would uh, reach the city through communities. Uh, and uh, not only just this gathering here on, on Sunday morning, but throughout the week and in, and in different areas of the city. And that is a place where this is really going to work itself out you know, up close and personal. Um, Mark Twain, my other um, favorite theologian, he said, wisdom is the reward you get from a lifetime of listening when you would rather have talked. So, you know, it seems that every day you're sitting in, in the missional community or you're with some people you're getting to know them. Maybe you've gotten past the fear of getting it. Like maybe you've come on Sunday morning a lot and now you're starting to finally feel like, okay, I'll, I'll check one of these out. And you show up. And then there's the person who talks a lot in the group. That's me, by the way. Who has a lot of things to say and says them over and over again just in different, slightly different ways. I know I do that. And, and there they are. And then, and then there's the person who doesn't say anything. They never talk. You can't get them to say a word. You have to directly ask them a question or they won't speak. You've got all these people in there. And then you've got the guy that's got a chip on his shoulder. Don't say anything wrong. He gets ticked off easily. Whatever you do, don't talk about this thing. They're all in the same room. They're community together. We're, we're starting to build community like that. Oh, and by the way, you, that's what you're going to see. And I'm not trying to like, talk you out of it or anything. I think it's a beautiful thing. But you're going to see stuff like that. So, listen, when I'm in, a community, when I'm commu- in community like this, and I, and I, feel, I feel compelled, as I often do, to say something. And I want to make sure people know that I know some stuff. Like, I know a lot. 
There's always that guy. He knows everything. He knows a lot. He's the Cliff Clavin, if you ever watched Cheers, of the community, right? He knows everything. I know it's old. Yeah, he's a Cliff Clavin. So when I do that, and I feel, and I want people to, to know that I know a lot, and I feel compelled to speak, what I'm really doing is misunderstanding the gospel and, I'm, and disbelieving it is what I'm doing. So now, so it seems really common and, and, and not really high theology, but it really is, if you think about it, in gospel terms. What I'm trying to do is feed my felt need for approval. I want to be approved of. But the thing is, God, God does approve of me. He approves of me through Christ and in Him. So I don't need to seek approval. I don't have to do that anymore. I'm free from having to do that. And so is everybody else. <laughs> free from me having to do that. And they're probably quite happy to be free from it. So there's the gospel at work. Now that's high, that is high theology. Now if I get angry, if I'm the guy that has a chip on my shoulder and you look at me sideways or you say something I don't like and I start getting mad, then I want apologies and I want to be uh, vindicated for. I mean, I mean, I want you to make up for what you did. You ticked me off. You said something wrong. Now I want you to pay somehow. I want to get revenge. Hey, I deserve it. I mean, look, the Bible says I have to forgive you, but I only have to if you admit to it, which is wrong, by the way. And so I'm going to make you come to me and apologize and confess your sin. I'm going to spiritualize it and make it sound good. And you come and you repent to me, and then I'll like you again. Will be good. But see, when you do that, then you're you're really trying to feed a false sense of entitlement. I'm entitled to this. I deserve this. The truth is, you don't deserve it. You deserve death. Yeah, because the wages of sin is death. So that's what you deserve. So if I gave you what you deserved, you would get death. See how many times I can say death. You would get, that's what you deserve. That's what you're entitled to. Without, but in Christ though, no, you don't get death. You get life. You get righteousness. You get justification. You are, you are justified before God legally. You are righteous before God through Christ. So, and listen, there's no need for you to try to get someone to pay for their sin because, listen, if they're in Christ... It's already paid for. You can't ask for a double payment. And if they're not in Christ, you still can't ask for a payment because there's going to be a judgment day where it'll be paid for. (laughs) So again, you can't ask that it be paid for again. So if I seek, you know, if I seek revenge by barking and and, and, at someone even as little as that, or being short with them, I'm always short. Are y'all familiar with that term being short? Or is that just a West Texasism? Okay. Kurt? How about that? Being rude. Um, 
that's still a way to, to try to make yourself able to feed that. So these are, these are gospel issues that will have. So really what James is talking about, he's really, I love this because he's talking right to our communities, but he's also talking about Jesus Christ who is the wisdom of God and the gospel, which is not little and common in every day. It's huge. Let's look at 20. So that's why it says, uh, is 20 up there? Yeah, it's in there. Okay, so let me just read that again. I just want to highlight that. So that's why it says, for the anger of God does not produce the righteousness. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So you can't make anything right that way. So if you're a Christian, if you're, if you're not a Christian, let's say you're, you're just checking this out. Maybe you don't even know, but you're just checking things out. And you come into the communities, I want you to know that you are going. This is what you're going to see. This is what you should see. You should. I'll tell you why. You say, well, I shouldn't see that. I should see a bunch of Christians acting really well toward each other. Being always nice and having big smiles on their faces. And always hugging and high-fiving and side-hugging and all the things that Christians do. That's what they should be doing. That's what I want to see. Well, that's not what you're going to see. And I'll tell you why that's not a good thing to see. What you're going to see is the guy with a chip on his shoulder, the guy who talks too much, the guy who never talks, the guy who, who, who flakes out, the guy who, you know, is, all, is always faithful or, or not faithful. That's what you're going to see, people who are broken and sinful. That's a good thing because that is a perfect atmosphere for you to see the gospel actually work itself out right there in front of your eyes. So that it is no longer something you intellectually understand in your mind. But becomes something that, well, you get off the treadmill. And maybe you start walking. Like it's like your feet touch the ground. That first time my pick, stru- you know, struck the strings. And I felt that feeling of those strings vibrate. That's what you will feel. That's a good thing. That's what we want to see. Now, when I was visiting my friend um, in, in, in last week when I was in Tampa visiting a good friend, I saw a really beautiful thing happen in his house. He, there, was, seemed, there was a neighbor kind of got mad at, at one of his kids outside and, and, and kind of yelled at him. Boy, that makes a parent mad. So they're already dealing with the anger issue, right? Whoa, don't talk to my kid like that. Yeah, kind of yelled at him. So... His son came in, and he's upset. He yelled at me, you know, said this mean thing. And, 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 and this friend of mine, his wife, actually saw it and witnessed it. And it was, you know, unusually harsh to, way to talk to a child. And so, boy, things are brewing, man. Man, they're thinking. And they're really trying. I mean, these are, these are Jesus-loving people. They believe the gospel. They are. They want to. They, they don't want to sin in their anger, but they're they're boiling, right? But then, it was really a cool thing that the the man who did this, who who yelled at, uh, you know, was had harsh words with his son, came came up a, several minutes later, just long enough for us to boil for a while, to the door, and wanted to talk to his son, and what he wanted to do is he just wanted to apologize for being so harsh. And then he wanted to kind of explain, well, it seems like 
Sometimes he just wants to come over and play with his toys and doesn't want to play with my son. And I got, kind of got mad. And, I, I, and I said, I'm like sitting here watching this. And he, he said, I'm, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have done that. And then without being prompted by his father, my friend's, good friend's son says, that's okay. I forgive you. And then, and then right there, a beautiful picture of the gospel and this guy's not even, to my knowledge, he's not a Christian. He's just one of the neighbors. And, and listen, this is a practice of this household, this particular household, is that they know people who aren't Christians. They, they, they hang out with them. They, get, they intermingle. They fraternize, whatever you want to say. They're all around. Their kids play with them out in the, in the yard. Their kids are welcome into the house. He knows his neighbors by name. And so this took place basically in what really is a small community, even though it's not an official, it wasn't an official church community. But it took place right there, this beautiful. Now, what a, what a great way, what a great background now for Levi. Oh, I gave his name away. He's my good friend. Trying to make, I was trying to make him anonymous for some reason. He didn't care if I talk about it. Um, what a great backdrop for him to, to continue speaking and proclaiming the gospel word with him. Because now when he talks to him about it, he's going to know what he's talking about. Oh, yeah. Like that time when your son forgave me when I, he could have held a grudge. Or the time you forgave him, by the way. His parents, they did some forgiving too. That could have turned into a complete division. I will not talk to you, neighbor. I don't like the way he talked to my that could have gone bad but instead the gospel was displayed in that situation that's what you should see in our communities that is what should be happening all the time if it's not then i wonder if we're really allow, if we're really embracing and accepting the word that's implanted in us because we or if we're really owning up to our own sin i wonder that's all I'm saying. It's okay if there's a group of nice people. I know we're going to have some communities that are nicer than others. But, but I, want to, I want to see that happening. Because then I know that the gospel is at work. It should be different from anything you've ever seen, though, in the world. See, because in the world, you don't do that with someone unless you're going to get a benefit out of it. I mean, in the world... You, people treat each other the way that they want to be treated so that they'll be treated nicely. I mean, that's why they do it. And in the world, it's, it's perfectly acceptable to keep someone, you know, to, to hold a grudge. It's perfectly fine. So when you see that in, in a gospel community, it's not acceptable. In fact, it's not really possible if there's gospel there, then that should be drastically different. It's not that we don't fight and fuss and get mad at each other. It's that uh, we forgive each other. We forbear with one another. We partake in God's grace with one another. We, we participate in his divine nature with one another so that we remain family. That's how it's different. And this is what we, this is what we want to see in Knoxville. All over. That's what we want to see. We want to see these communities growing like that. Where the gospel is in every part of our lives. Even the most mundane, seemingly unimportant things. Let's look at 22. 
Yeah, cool. Um, But be doers of the word. This is what James is famous for. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently into his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once, forgets what he's like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, comma, the law of liberty, okay, I get that right, will and, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So, I learned the four chords. I start practicing the chords. I start getting better at it. I start to enjoy it. I start getting with my granddad. He starts teaching me things and showing me where I'm doing things wrong. For the first time, that desire that had been planted in me, you know, when he gave me the radio, just, man, it planted this thing in me. I just began to love music. It finally was something that was taking, um, it was starting to grow, it was starting to manifest itself in the playing of music. So it began a new season in my life where I once would just dream of singing and playing music, getting out of my limo with, I don't have that fantasy anymore, okay, so... I used to arrange my army men to look like little bands. I'd like to make a stage. I'd put them on there. I'd take my jam box apart and have two speakers. And, and I'd get like flashlights and make like stage lights and everything. I mean, they were like, you're messed up. <laughs> Every chance I got, I watched musicians on TV. I watched them. I, I just, there was something beautiful about it. All of that... All of that, that fantasy world where I used to just do that and I'd watch my granddaddy sing. Now, I begin to see myself becoming a musician. Now, I'm not a great musician now, but I mean, I, I did become, I, I began to become one. And, all, and none of that stuff I had obsessed over, you know, before had it been applied to anything. Because before, I didn't sing, I didn't play. But then I began to do it. Now, we've all heard it said, probably, uh, I'm not a human doing, I'm a human being. I used to really go, yes, I mean, I like that, because I don't like doing stuff. <laughs> I'd rather not. So I'm a human being. Being is enough, right? Well, it's only half true. Because we're told in Genesis that God created the man in his image, right? A being. And then he puts him in the garden to work it and keep it. Oh, that's a human doing. <laughs> so we're really both. I mean, clearly we're a human doing and a human being. Let's look at Ephesians uh, chapter 2. Oh, yeah. Uh, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand 
that we should walk in them. Well, that's interesting. So not only did he create Adam to, to work the garden and keep it, but according to this, he created me to do some things. And he's already got it. He already decided what they are. Like, this is what... Because it says he prepared beforehand. He prepared some good works for me. Well, let's look at James 26 now. James kind of hops back. He starts with your mouth and then he ends with your mouth. That's interesting. So we're back to our mouth again. If anyone thinks he is religious... And does not bridle his tongue, but, but deceives his, his heart. This person's religion is worthless. Now, we see the word religion twice in there. So already we're put off by the word religion. Because we have a modern definition of religion, even in our Christian culture, which is a bad, it's a, it's a negative thing. We don't want to be religious. That's the last thing we want to do is be religious. We don't want religion, religion, yeah. But really, in this, in this context, this word religion, it just simply means it's how we act toward God. That's, that's all it is. How, that's, what, that's how they would have read it. That's how they would have understood it. How to, how, to, how to rightly act toward God. That's all that is. And that's what it can mean now. But we've, you know, it hasn't changed as a word. It's just that we've added things to it, uh, to, the, to the meaning, to help us understand in our culture that we don't want to earn our way we're not going to try to earn our way to salvation. That is religion. But really, it's just how to act toward God. So he's basically saying, if you, if you think you know how to act toward God, but you don't bridle your tongue uh, and you deceive your heart, then it, how you act toward God is worthless, basically. So you're back on the treadmill again. You're not getting anywhere. So sitting around... And soaking up information. And, and we, we kind of get this in our culture. We have a really weird version of like a view of, of wisdom. We, we kind of imagine a, a, a very wise, you know, uh, person sitting in a, in, in, a, in a room by themselves. Just not saying anything. They're too wise to say anything now. They're, they're wiser than that, you know. And, 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 you know, they've secluded themselves. They've become wise. And, they, and, and, and maybe the reading of books or, or the accumulating of, of you know, knowledge, it, it would make one wise. And we really think, we kind of think of wisdom that way. So that we actually believe a person can be wise, as, as Thoreau said, and not have it applied to life. But I think James is clearly showing us that that is not true. Here, let's look at Luke 6.44. Yeah. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes. Common sense. Nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil... For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. 
So that's why James is so concerned about the mouth. Because he started with the mouth and then he went on to being a doer of the word. He went back to the mouth again. Why is he just talking about that one thing? Isn't that just one behavior? Well, I mean, it's a little bit more important than that because it actually is an indication of what's down in here. What's inside. So you will... What is in here is going to come out of your mouth. Or not. I guess you could think of it in the negative sense. What's not in here isn't going to come out either. (laughs) So again, we're back to a gospel. A gospel application, not not just a little behavioral thing. So now I'm thinking about um, that little note that's left when I get there. And, and it says this, this, do this, do this, do that, do this, do that. And I'm thinking, oh, I hate that note. I don't want to. Now God's changing my heart and I'm looking at James in a different way. I'm thinking that this is actually really good news. Because since Jesus became wisdom... And this book is about wisdom. And Jesus implants that word or that wisdom in my heart. Then in community and with other people, the gospel can be embodied. That's a beautiful thing. That's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's great news. So whereas I thought it was a checklist, check, check, did that, did that, did that, I realize now... It's the gospel. Yeah, it's served up in a little bit of a different way, isn't it? And I didn't like how it's served up. That's how we read the Bible sometimes. We just, we like the ones the way, it's brought to us the way we like it. But this one wasn't brought to me the way I liked it. I liked the way Paul did it. Because he talked a whole lot about grace. But James is talking about grace too. And we'll find out later that he, ta- he talks about mercy um, we'll find out in late, later teaching in that. So, see, wisdom doesn't come from inside. That's what we think in our culture. It comes from within inside. If you just look inside deep enough, you're going to find wisdom in there. You're going to, if you just self-actualize, you will. If you just get in touch with who's really in there, but that's not that's not what James is telling us. James is telling us that it, the word is implanted into us. It's it. Is in verse 21. Let's go to verse 21. When he says, what if at first glance it just looks like another imperative. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Well, that, that means somebody's planting something in us. Well, that's good news for you because if you... It, listen, I don't care how much you've failed. Like the song we did a couple of weeks ago, A Thousand Times I've Failed. Christian or not. The good news is it doesn't matter how much you failed because it, it won't matter how much good you can do. We'll say, but I've tried to put away all filthiness and... and rampant wickedness and I, and, and I keep failing well that's not the point 
Because he tells us that knowing that we have wickedness to put away. And he tells us that knowing that we can't do it on, in our own power. Because he's already said the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Not we that can do it, but that word, the gospel word in us can save your souls. So it begins to grow in you. And later on, I, I, I got the, the you know, opportunity to play the guitar in some small groups. Anybody ever heard bad small group worship? I was a big part of that. People would give me a chance and I would do it. And I'd sing. And, 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 and of course, God began to direct my heart in, in, in away from my fantasy of being a, a, a you know, What's his name again? Travis. What's that Travis guy? Tall, skinny. <laughs> I'm looking at it. Randy Travis. There we go. He knows. Randy Travis. Trying to be a star or something. Just trying to like feed my, like I just want to do this to, to something where I really wanted to be a worshiper. And I wanted to lead people in worship. And I would do this in small groups. And then I would get feedback from leaders. See, it, it began to happen in community. And then I met Chase, and, you know, this is a long time ago, and we have a history in, of, of his coaching me and working with me. I remember when they kind of inducted me into their worship team, and, and I wasn't very good, and he would have to really work with me, and he'd have to show me every little thing to do. No, no, play it like that, play it like this. And he's really good at just telling you what to do without saying please. He's <laughs> I needed that. And so it began a long time ago, something that was planted in me. But what if it had stayed there? Then I'd still be laying on a pillow listening to my radio, which is fine and dandy if that's what you want to do, but I didn't. I wanted something to be real. So if you're a Christian here today and you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the guy on the treadmill. I pretty much, I learn things for the sake of learning them. I just, I, I know things for the sake of knowing them. I don't know how to, I don't know how for it to become reality. I, I'm not getting anywhere. My wisdom is not applied. There's nothing, I'm, I'm a hearer only and I'm not a doer. Well, then you're in good company because, I mean, <laughs> Our hearts are stubborn as human beings. We need the Holy Spirit to soften our hearts and make it ready. Make that soil ready for that implanted word to begin taking root. So we invite you into community where that can really happen. Because when James is talking to us in this letter, and he's talking to those he's talking to first, he is talking to a community about community. He is talking in terms of people interacting with each other. He is not talking about a, a, sol, a solitary person in solitude soaking up wisdom. That is not what he's doing. So we invite you to do that. We invite you to rub up against some other people and bump them and make them kind of uncomfortable, tick them off sometimes, ask for forgiveness. We invite you to come and just, and, and you know, we eat together and we, that's what we're going to do today during communion even is, is we're going to, even in this setting, we're going to eat together. 
and 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 take that his body and and take it into our they take that bread into our physical bodies just like we take the bread of life Jesus himself and we partake of it and we we eat it and we, it becomes us part of us we do that together as a community and so uh, we also invite you. Um, if you don't, I mean, if you're like, well, I don't understand, still don't understand all this. I need to, I need to ask someone about it. I need to talk to someone. We're going to have um, a couple of people. I see Wes back there. Um, Luke will be back there. Um, and you can just go and, a- and have them pray for you have, and ask them, ask them questions. Do you have a question? Okay. <laughs>